Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Indians 4, the Kansas City Royals 1. The Indians get back in the win column. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And Yeah, I'm still still recording from the car. It's, don't worry, things will get back to normal soon. All right, let's get into the storylines on this one, and then stick with me to the end morning, people. Stick with me, because we are going to go down a crazy uh, rabbit hole. Uh, thanks to Hunter Dozier and uh, his continued uh, streak of hitting home runs off of Cleveland Indians pitching. So we're going to go down a strange rabbit hole at the end of this episode if you stick with me to the end. But we got to start in the beginning. I mean, come on, three runs in the first inning, and uh, Daniel Lynch really set things up for the Indians. Um, the big lefty, um, yeah, six foot six, big lefty indeed. Um, so the Indians, of course, stack their lineup with as many righties as they can. Bobby Bradley gets the day off. Harold Ramirez is still feeling it from when he ran into the wall. They're actually debating if we make it to that next doubleheader, he actually might have to go on the IL just so that we're not shorthanded during the doubleheader. So we'll see uh, what happens there if he's feeling better. But they get as many uh, righties as they can in the lineup. And uh, I believe Bradley Zimmer is probably the only lefty in this lineup. And uh, it Early in this game, they had Lynch's number. So Lynch, uh, and it's interesting because if you rewatch the highlights, the Royals announcers get done saying that uh, the Indians might not be prepared for how good a pitcher or how good Daniel Lynch is pitching right now. And then he starts off the uh, first inning walking a bunch of people. So he walks Miles Straw to start the game on a wild pitch. He moves to second. Oscar Mercado walks. Um, so they walks the first two batters of the game. Jose Ramirez hits a line drive single into right field. Miles Straw did not get a good jump on this. Now, uh, you know, Manning give him the benefit of the doubt saying that, uh, you know, Straw had to hold for a second to make sure the ball got over Whit Merrifield's head. But I think anyone could have seen that this was a line drive single into right field. I think that he just got a bad jump on this one. I mean, it's, it's shocking almost that Miles Straw doesn't score for second because he has so much speed. But they figure, what the hell, we'll load the bases for the Franimal, for Franmil Reyes, who works a full count and unfortunately takes an inside fastball for a called strike three with the bases loaded. You know he's pissed about that. It was a borderline pitch, and Lynch gets the call. But that's okay. With one out, Yu Chang comes up, and he absolutely smokes one to left field. Let's see what the exit velocity was. I'd love to see what the exit velocity was on this one. Um, but the thing about this one, it doesn't matter how hard he hit it, 107.3 miles per hour, 313 feet. He has expected batting average of 630. But Andrew Benatendi in the wet grass on the rainy night in Cleveland Made the mistake of taking a step or two in and probably would have been fine, except the grass was wet. Slips in the grass, tries to get back up. The ball ricochets off his glove, glances off his glove. I know the feeling as an outfielder, even if it's just old man softball. Um, so the ball goes all the way to the wall. The base is clear. Chang ends up at third with an RBI, three RBI triple. Now you tell me, 
Me and my brother debated this last night. If you're scoring this one at home, what do you score it? Did you score it as an error or did you score it as a three-run triple? I think Chang got a little bit of the benefit of the doubt um, because of the weather and because he's at home. I think he got a little bit of the benefit of the doubt there, scoring it a triple with three RBIs. Remember, if it's an error, he doesn't get any RBIs. Um, if it had been a dry, sunny day and he and he did that, maybe I'd call it an error. But in that situation, we'll give him the hit. Like I said, expected batting average of 630. He smoked it. He just smoked it right at Benatendi. Either way, it would have, I mean, even if he catches it, it would have been a sack fly and a run would have scored. But in this situation, three runs scored and the Indians are out to a huge lead. Lynch would strike out the side. He would strike out Owen Miller and he would strike out Bradley Zimmer. Uh, so, and plus the strikeout of Fermil Reyes. He would strike out the side in the first. And then why not? Let's come right back in the uh, in the second inning. And Ernie Clement gets an inside fastball that he turns on at 100.2 miles per hour, 29 degree launch angle, 396 feet off the railing and left field for a nice uh, nice way to extend the lead with a solo home run here in the second inning from Ernie Clement in the nine hole. Um, and that would be it. That would be the entire offense for the Cleveland Indians on the day. Um, it was really a situation where we score early and then, man, the pitching just locks in and holds the lead. We would threaten in the sixth inning uh, with two outs. We'd get a little rally going. Yu Chang would get hit in the knee, in the side of the knee with a pitch. I would not be surprised if uh, Chang gets the day off today. Because that's the kind of thing where overnight, overnight that thing's probably going to swell up a little bit. It was just a really awkward spot to get hit by a pitch. If it's a little bit higher, at least there's some meat in the thigh that can absorb that. But right on the side of the knee, has got to sting. Owen Miller then delivers a single to get a rally going. Now we got two on. Chang goes to third. Bradley Zimmer comes up with runners on the corners. Hits one 107 miles per hour off the bat. A seven. 30 expected batting average, except it ends up in the glove. I believe that was Nicky Lopez at shortstop uh, for the Royals, who snags that one and uh, really steals a base hit from Zimmer. So give the Indians a little bit of credit there. They tried to rally for some insurance runs in the sixth inning. They just couldn't get any there. And really... I mean, that was it. There, there, there were no really uh, other chances for the Indians to score in this game. So, uh, yeah, things really slowed down for the Indians offensively. But it didn't matter. The other storyline of the game is the Indians pitching. And, man, was the Indians pitching good on the night. Uh, Qu- Cal Quantrill coming in, gets his seventh win of the season, goes six and two-thirds, does give up seven hits, but one earned run. Two walks, six strikeouts. The the run was on a uh, on a home run, and double plays were the story of the day. Man, did double plays save Cal Quantrill's butt. He gets one uh, in the first inning. Whit Merrifield singles to lead off the game, but then Nicky Lopez grounds into a double play. Then in the second inning, they have a, a little rally going, two singles, and then uh, Michael Taylor grounds into a double play to uh, end the inning. I believe this is the one where uh, Jose Ramirez has a little trouble getting it out of the glove, 
Uh, and then Ernie Clement has to make a really great turn at second base because the throw from Ramirez kind of had him on his backhand. And somehow they still get the speedy Michael Taylor. That's impressive. Um, so, yeah, a double play gets him out of the It doesn't get him out of the first, but a double play in the first, a double play in the second. Uh, so the defense really coming through for him. I thought there was one later in the game. I guess not. Uh, no, I guess not. There wasn't a double play later in the game. So, yeah, those two double plays really doing a good job early of settling things down for the Indians, even though Quancho getting himself into a little bit of trouble. Frankly, he was in trouble. He's in trouble most innings. The third inning, they had two runners on after a walk and a double, but he gets Salvador Perez to pop out. Uh, the third, fourth inning is a clean inning for him. Uh, the fifth inning, he gives up a double to Isbell, but gets Whitmerfield to fly out. That was with two outs. The sixth inning, Salvador Perez gets a nice hard single off him, but he gets the next two batters to end the inning. And then finally, in that seventh inning, he gives up the two-run homer to Hunter Dozier. So, um, yeah, they, I mean, technically, he was kind of dancing with trouble the whole game. But double plays and strikeouts really did a good job for Cal Quantrill on this one. How many times was he hard hit on the day? Uh, he was hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times on the day. and does give up the seven hits. But let's take a look at those six strikeouts because I really love the location of Cal Quantrill's pitches on this one. So first off, looking at his overall pitches, Quantrill was pounding the strike zone, not with the two-seamer, not with the four-seamer, with sliders. Was pounding the strike zone with sliders. And it's the pitch he threw, I believe, the most on the day. Let's go over to the player breakdown here. And uh, let's see the pitch mix from Cal Quantrill. And yeah, 40 sliders. Only 39 sinker two-seamers, whatever you want to call it. And the CSW numbers on that slider, 35%. His best pitch as far as CSW goes. Nine called strikes on it. Just pounding the strike zone with those sliders. And really throwing it to all four quadrants, too. Uh, I, I take it back. Three of four quadrants. He didn't throw any up in, in, in a way. Um, but throwing it all over the left side of the strike zone from the catcher's view. So that's that's keeping it inside. That's backdoor sliders for him. And then throwing it down a ton, throwing it to the bottom corners. Um, yeah, really attacking with the slider, not sweeping it across the zone like we've seen from other pitchers, but using it to get strikes. Uh, and then if we take a look at his strikeouts and just isolate the strikeouts, we can see that... Uh, Ironically, he's attacking so much with the slider, it's the two-seamer, the sinker, that gets him most of the strikeouts. Um, if we take a look at his pitching chart here, uh, he gets Alberto Montesi swinging in the seventh inning on a high sinker uh, up near the armpits, but still in the strike zone. Didn't go really high. Didn't you know go out of the strike zone to get any of these guys. Froze Carlos Santana on a full count in the second inning with a sinker, frankly, right down the middle. Two-seamer, sinker, whatever you want to call it. Uh, got Ben Attendi, froze him on the uh, right edge of the plate with a two-seamer, a beautiful two-seamer. Uh, then gets uh, Michael Taylor, I believe, to check swing on one down that he gets called for a strike. Throws a slider down to Hunter Dozier that he swings through. And one changeup, one changeup to Alberto Mondesi 
that he gets him to swing through on an 0-2 count. So really blew him away in the fourth inning. So those were Cal Quantrill's strikeouts on the day. And frankly, it's a pretty good job of getting strikes for, uh, for Cal Quantrill. Now, he did give up. He did give up one home run. And frankly, it was a massive home run. It's a Hunter Dozier, 106 miles per hour, 38-degree launch angle, 399 feet to the home run porch in left field. And Dozier, man, just hits home runs off the Indians. And frankly, I, I looked it up because I remember Brian Dozier hitting tons of home runs off the Cleveland Indians. So I decided, I, I just looked up Dozier and all the Dozers that have played Major League Baseball to see if there's something something about that name that just loves hitting home runs off Cleveland Indians pitching. And we'll start with, uh, we'll start with Hunter Dozier here. And of all the opponents he's faced in his career, he has the most home runs off the Cleveland Indians and the Minnesota Twins. He's hit 10 each off them. And in fact, is this updated? Let me refresh the page just to see if this is updated from yesterday's game. Give it a chance. Give baseball reference a chance to update uh, here and search by home runs. Yep, now he's up to 11. So the most home runs he's hit in his career off any team is the Cleveland Indians with 11. Now, not surprising that the top four are all American League Central teams. But the most he's hit is 11 off the Cleveland Indians. So what about uh, Brian Dozier? I'm pretty sure is his brother, right? think they're brothers. They're not cousins. They're brothers, right? Uh, obviously played a long time uh, with the, uh, I believe with the Minnesota Twins, right? Uh, let's take a look at his overview. Yeah, played most of his career in Minnesota, then went on to play briefly with the Dodgers, Washington, and the New York Mets, but played most of his career with the Minnesota Twins. And if you remember, Hit a bunch of home runs off us. How many home runs? Well, uh, searching by opponent here. Let's pull up the home runs. And the most he hit in his career off any team, come on, is the Cleveland Indians with 22 home runs off both the Indians and the White Sox. And frankly, in interleague play, he hit just as many home runs in interleague play as he hit off the Indians alone. And the Chicago White Sox, of course, the Kansas City Royals are also up there, and the Detroit Tigers are his top four. No coincidence, again, it's the American League Central. Um, But yeah, what about other Dozers? Uh, I decided, you know, why stop at those Dozers? Let's look at all the Dozers, because there were, um, let's see how many of them, I think there were like six of them. Yeah, six Dozers have played Major League Baseball. Now, DJ Dozier only played one season, uh, and I believe he played in the National League in 1992. So, never saw the Cleveland Indians, um, unfortunately. Uh, The other Dozier's, Tom Dozier was a pitcher. Buzz Dozier in the 40s was also a pitcher. And then I got to Dozier Hood in 1945. So, I clicked on it. Why not? Dozier Hood. This guy played one game in his entire career, in the Negro Leagues for the Kansas City Monarchs, he had played in one game in 1945 at age 32, had one plate appearance, one at bat, one hit. His batting average, he had a single. His batting average is 1,000 for his career. His on-base percentage is 1,000. His slugging percentage is 1,000. His OPS is 2,000. 
one total base in his entire career. And I'm like, what? Who? Who is this man, Dozier Hood, who had one hit in his major league career? That's like, I feel like that's the dream from like Field of Dreams, right? Like, give just one chance. Give me one chance. So a little bit more Googling here. By the way, this 1945 Kansas City Monarchs team, he played with Jackie Robinson on this team. He played with uh, Satchel Paige on this team. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is crazy. And I found the Arkansas Baseball Encyclopedia. And they have an entry on Dozier Hood. Um, born November 22nd, 1912 in Mor- Moralton, Arkansas. And uh, he... Uh, he joined the team possibly through his connections with Monarchs pitcher Booker McDaniels, who was also from Morlinton. And it said that Hood occasionally drove the Kansas City Monarchs team bus. So this guy was a friend of someone on the team, maybe trained with them, drove the team bus, and they gave him one at bat. That's beautiful. The guy got his chance. They threw him in there. They gave him one at-bat. Who knows? the re- Maybe the guys were injured. Maybe they need. Who knows the reason why he was active for this one game? But they made sure he got his one at-bat, and he got his hit. He got his major league hit. So Hunter Dozier takes us all the way back to the, 40s, to the 1945 Kansas City Monarchs, to Dozier Hood, who got his one at bat and got his one hit. I think that's a beautiful story right there. And what a wormhole to get on when you just start looking stuff up on baseball reference. You never know where you're going to end up. All right, so the Indians circling all the way back to present day. The Indians win this one back in the win column. Uh, It was a great job by uh, Cal Quantrill really controlling the game, even though he gives up the seven hits. Like I said, the double plays, help out, the strikeouts help out, really looked like an ace out there on the mound, was pumped up from those double plays, showing a lot of emotion. Blake Parker helps get him out of the seventh inning, um, and then Brian Shaw comes in, has a nice clean eighth, does get hard hit three times, but it turns into three outs. And then Emmanuel Classe comes in in the ninth and strikes out two and was fired up, gets the final strikeout on a hard cutter down, And uh, he was really pumped up, it seemed like, to be back in a save situation. That guy really enjoys his job, really enjoys being a closer. So that's my thoughts on this one. It's a great job by Indians pitching. pitching. MVP for the day. It's got to go to Cal Quantrill. He has acted like an ace the entire second half of the season. And it's going to be really fun to see him pitch next season in a rotation with Bieber and Savali and Plesak, McKenzie. That's got to be your top five right now going into this, you know, going into the off season. So we'll see how it all shakes out. I mean, is Quantrill your number two right now? Maybe your number three behind Savali? Plesak is down on my list right now. Plesak's got some stuff to work on this off season. So yeah, Quantrill gets MVP for the day. Doesn't it seem like I always forget on the Indians losses, but I always seem to remember on the Indians wins. All right, we'll be back. We'll see if they play today. The weather is supposed to be really crappy in Cleveland. It was really crappy last night, but they got the game in. It's supposed to be a 6-10 start, so we'll see. It's going to be Hernandez for the Royals pitching against Logan Allen for the Indians, 1-7 with a 7-11 ERA. But 
has pitched better in his most recent, you know, return to the Indians. So we'll see what Logan Allen's got. And then we got a doubleheader Thursday against the uh, White Sox. And we start that five-game set against the White Sox, which, if everything goes to plan, Shane Bieber might be starting on Friday. Now, we'll probably be on a pitch count, maybe limited to three innings, but Shane Bieber might be your starting a pitcher again for the Cleveland Indians. And from all accounts, sounds like he's feeling good. Also, a fun Shane Bieber story. He apparently paid for the champagne after Akron uh, clinched the their playoff spot or their division title down in double A. And Akron won their first game. Uh, and I believe the starting pitcher was uh, Battenfield, who they got at the trade deadline. So some of those trade deadline moves paying off with some of those minor league pitchers. I mean, the Cleveland Indians pitching factory is not slowing down anytime soon. So who knows? Maybe Akron, we might have a champion uh, in the organization if Akron can pull it out and can make this playoff run. So that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. I know it's a little bit strange, a little bit different still. We will get back to normal. You can email me at uh, clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Hit me up on Twitter at Davey Ferris. The final again from Cleveland. It's the Indians for the, the Kansas City Royals one. Thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning.